Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. In this episode of RDTN, the guys discuss their trip to Origins, where they ate pretzels, met up with old friends, ate Belgian waffles, made new friends, ate poor boys, played new games, ate Japanese food, played old games, ate gourmet cheese sandwiches, and of course gave away moon pies and RC colas. Gosh, y'all, now I'm hungry and want to play a game. Hello and welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, another proud member, not just a member, but another proud member of the Dice Tower Network. This is episode 96, Another Day in Paradise. I'm Tony. And this is Marty. And who else is a proud member? Uh, The Secret Cabal is a proud member. Have they said that? I could have sworn they said it at their meetup, but that could have been the fact that they were in a drunken stupor. Oh, that's true. You mean the meetup at Origins? I meant the meetup at Origins, which you and I got back from. We survived that incredible convention. It's it's seriously up there with, with one of my favorite conventions of all. I know uh, we've talked about before, do we like Origins or do we like BGG Combatter? Oh thing is, I don't have many negatives against Origins. I, I don't either, and I enjoy it a lot more than Gen Con, even though I took a lot of flack for it while we were there. And the reason why, Marty, is because I like the smaller crowds. I like the open gaming. I don't feel like I'm being lost in the mass sea of people. The fact that the vendor walkways in the main uh, hall there were open. You weren't in a sea of tide of people running through the, the center of the complex. No, and that's one thing I actually noticed on Saturday morning, which was probably the busiest day. There was still plenty of room to move through the vendor hall. They have really wide halls or or aisles that you can go down. You're not constantly bumping into people. I know that uh, the uh, announced attendance was like almost 16,000 unique visitors. So that's a very good number, but it doesn't feel crowded. Uh, like you said, you can move around. They have a huge gaming hall that you can sit in that's open most of the day. You have the excellent eateries around all over the place that you could go check out. It's just such a good location. Great show. Well, and more importantly, and everybody has seen this on the Twitter world that's obviously listening to our podcast, you had a Pikachu butt. <laughs> the Pikachu butt. And we never played under Pikachu's butt. No, and that's a good thing because I'm scared of what may come out. It could be lightning. <laughs> yeah, it would be bad. So there was a Pokemon area in the large, one of the large gaming halls, and there was an inflated Pikachu sitting up there. And one of the common meeting places was there was a little open gaming area right behind it. So everybody just said, meet at Pikachu's butt. I, now, I was back there. I did some demoing back there during one of my nights, but I, I never related the two. I never saw it. But then again, you know me. I'm not the guy who's on the social media stuff. However... However, da, 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 Instagram, we've got a thousand followers now. I thought we would never get out of the teens. Congratulations. I know. I should follow it. Well, you do. You're Dyson name, so you do follow oh, it. I just don't see what goes on there. No, and that's one of the interesting things. You could log in, but then again, hopefully, I mean, we're what? Six people short on Facebook to get a thousand, right? Correct. All right. And, we, and we're just starting out on Snapchat. We have two. <laughs> <laughs> We're not really doing a lot with Snapchat. 
But just like Instagram, it's got to start somewhere. It's got to start somewhere, kind of like our guild, which is now pushing a thousand. We love people to come out there and have us push over a thousand. But Tony. But Marty. Did you hear the latest episode of Board Game Insider? I'll listen to Board Game Insider whenever they drop their episode. So yes, yes, I did. What was that junk at the end of the episode when they were like challenging us? Well, Ignacy and Steven, and we'll talk a lot about them in this episode because they were very gracious, even though Ignacy was not at Origins, but Steven, incredibly gracious host at his booth. Yes, they are going to try to get their guild up near us, our 900 plus listener or members. And they were telling them in that episode that, hey, guys, go out and join the guild because they would like to catch up with rolling dice and taking names. Now, Marty. Yes. I took that to mean because they also said, oh, we'll never catch the dice tower. And they could have lumped um, some other podcast in there. What they were saying in my opinion, is that they were going after low-hanging fruit first. Oh, there's no doubt. We are definitely lowest of the low-hanging fruit. And I'm just like, okay, fine. They want to play this game? Let's go for it. Seriously, if you have not joined the BGG membership yet, which, oh, at Origins, we met someone who hadn't and immediately joined our guild there, highly recommend that you go out and join Board Game Geek. And and if you would, please join our guild. That's right. Because we got to stay ahead of these guys. Granted, I know people probably like Stephen Ignacy more than us because they actually put out content that's worthwhile like board games as opposed to just a couple idiots talking. Hopefully our, our BGG guild will continue to grow and we thank everybody who's already a member. Also, and I'll kidding aside if you're not a member of board games insider by all means please go over there and join up with them so that they can get their numbers up oh that's not how competition works we don't want them to pass us because they will that's fine it's not about competition we have a guild that gives the content (laughs) you mean like your awesome polls that you post i didn't say i provide content what i said was (laughs) our members provide the content i just bring the interaction or at least i hope i do but the polls are a key component of the guild and actually we love the members of our guild and it's actually something we're going to be talking about later on this episode where we had a meetup with some of the people in our guild but tony The whole purpose of this episode is to talk about our experience and origins, plus share a few interviews with some of the vendors that were there. Let's talk a little bit about the first thing we got to do. We got... Eat. Yeah. Good God, man. Yeah. Tell me about... It was bad enough I was in a car with you for eight hours. What? Well... What's so bad about that? uh, Nothing. I guess. I mean, I'll admit I had to call potty breaks every once in a while. I'm just like, you're like my wife driving straight through. But just, you know, hold it. You can hold it. I'm like, no, I can't. I got it. I'm, I'm an old man. I need to pull over. And besides, I just drank 32 ounces from a polar cup. Yeah. So we were got the, got the origins. First thing we did, we checked in our bags and headed straight to the North Market where I got myself a pretzel and a waffle from the Taste of Belgium. And I got myself a blueberry glazed donut, and which basically was a rock in my stomach for the rest of the evening. But that's okay. I was happy. I got my North Market fill, and I was happy and then ready to start playing games, which we promptly did when we hooked up with Matt Evans from Board Game Replay. Exactly. And that was a blast. Now, I, Marty, I was the only time I went to the North Market. What? That's it. You didn't go back for lunch or anything? Nope. Never went back. Oh, my gosh. That's just sad. I know it is. I went back. I had po'boys and I had another pretzel. Oh, so good. But anyway, so we hook up with Matt Evans. And guess what, everyone? Guess what the first two games I played at Origins was? Unbelievably, it was Strike and Dutch Blitz. It was awesome. 
I loved it. I was so excited. Matt brought Strike. He brought. I, oh, I'm so looking for that game. If anybody finds Strike, just shoot me a quick email and and let me know where you found it. We'll, we'll figure out the cost and shipping and all. God, this is a fun game. Okay, it's a decent game. But to kick off four days of gaming with Strike and Dutch Blitz. It was like, it should have been something more epic. I got nothing against either one of those games. I know I pick on people about Strike. Strike is a cute game. I'm really starting to find a, a likeness for Dutch Blitz, but it's just funny that the two games that we had talked about before that I was poo-pooing on, that's the first ones we played. But it's always, you can only go up from there. That's true. Okay. Strike came to the table a lot, and actually to the sidewalk too, which Rodney took to the streets. Right. I, we weren't part of that. I'm surprised they didn't lose their gladiators in the street. But yeah, Strike, Dutch Blitz, and then Rodney arrived, and then Chaos ensued, and then we came home. So thanks, guys, for listening to our show about origins. <laughs> it's, it really is somewhat kind of a blur. Yes, it is. Oh, man. I, I can't believe that. You know, when I first got there, I was thinking, man, is this thing going to, con- you know, am I ever going to get to the end of this? And before I, I knew it, we were at the end. I know. And there's so many things that, so many people we got to see. That was the important thing was all the people we got to hang out with. And it was so much fun seeing, reconnecting with friends and, and making new friends and checking out a lot of new games, which is kind of what we want to highlight here. Kind of the emphasis of, of what we want to talk about is a lot of the new games that we experienced. And a lot of the interviews that we have uh, is based on new games that were released at the show. One of the first ones was we got to play a game that I enjoy and it's on its 10th release and that is ascension x you and i sat down and played some ascension x and they put in this new mechanic called day and night moving the cards around you know we were like oh okay let's give this try because we just did dreamscape and now let's see what how else they can modify how would it fit in and so we got to play ascension x and then afterwards well not afterwards a day later because somebody Brought the wrong memory card. I won't name names, Marty. Okay, there's a story here. Hold on. Okay. So we got this nice piece of equipment, this new recording device that uses an SD card for recording some really good audio. And let me uh, let me interrupt you. And we thank and we thank all of our um, Pod Pledge members for helping support us and being able to acquire that. Thank you so much. If you're a Pod Pledge member, uh, thank you. If you're not, please consider donating at least a dollar. To the, gray squir- to the Gray Squirrel Fund. Because that's another one of the goals we want to get to is at least 100 contributors. Even a, a buck is fine. So anyway, so it uses an SD card. So I'll open up my drawer of SD cards because it doesn't co- didn't come with one. I said, oh, I got a bunch of them in here. Let me grab one. I saw 16, threw it inside the recorder, and we went off. So we started recording at the Ascension. About 30 seconds into the interview, it stops and says card full. I'm like, what is going on? So I had to stop the interview and I pulled the card out and Tony, it was 16 meg, not 16 gig. So thanks to Chaz Marler, who had an extra SD card lying around that I could use. And that's why we had to go back the next day to Stoneblade Entertainment to get this following interview. All right, Marty and I are standing here at the Ascension booth at Origins. And I'm standing here with Ian Estrin, who makes me look small. Now, that is an amazing feat in (laughs) itself, sir. You demoed with us yesterday Ascension X. Ian, what is the big difference between previous Ascensions and this release? Uh, So in Ascension X, we have a day and night mechanic. So basically, depending on the composition of the center row, 
If there are more light or dark cards, that determines whether it's day or night. And there's cards that have kicker abilities that will get better if it's day or night, depending on what their kicker ability says. And the other new feature is that there's dual-cost cards now, so cards that you have to spend both runes and power on to acquire. And, and I'll have to admit, guys, this day-night kicker, Marty, that's going to take a little bit to get your head wrapped around. Yeah, it was, because all of a sudden there's another decision point that you have to make when buying something and, and activating things in your hand. And you almost kind of hope that uh, sometimes when, like, there was, like, a card that I kind of wanted, but it's like, ooh. But if Tony gets it, another card may come out and shift it from day to night, which would allow me to activate ability of a card in my hand. It just adds a whole really cool new mechanic to the game. So from, from our standpoint, when we came off of Dreamscape, which was just adding another thing to collect, here the cards have changed greatly, correct? Yeah, I mean, every set has new unique cards, so there's very few little crossover between them. But yeah, this is a much different Dreamscape. We were kind of forcing you down. We want you to draft your cards at the beginning and give you a direction to head. And this one is much more, well, do I want to try this route and then hope that the board comes up? And am I going to buy certain cards just to move the board so you can get it today or you can get it tonight and trigger all your cards as, as appropriate? So yeah, it's a... Uh, it's new and unique, that's for sure. It's really fun. Uh, and what's going to be really interesting is as people continue to play Ascension, and as all Ascension players do, like they, they, they will mix and manage the various sets. Now, you've mentioned to us that before people think, well, how is this going to work on old sets? What is the way that they're going to be able to meld their various collections? Yeah, I mean, we, you, know, you can play it on its own. Obviously, it works great. And if you're playing it with other sets, some people in the office have already just... You take it and you assign day or night values to other cards if you want there to always be a day-night thing happening. You know, some of the other older sets like the energy mechanic from Rise and from Darkness, you needed those cards in there. And this one, you can just assign them. So you can just, hey, you can just make a little remote note next to them or every second one is day and or however it wants to be. Or you can sign it to factions or do whatever you like. So, you know, we give you flexibility to play it however you guys are going to have the most fun. We talked about the day and light, about, but the dual-cost cards are also very interesting now. So now there's you have to pay with the, both types of resources, which is kind of unique, too. So you got to be able to manage that. Wait, am I going to attack a monster, or am I going to be able to buy something? So that's that's a whole new Ooh, decision yeah. point that's new in the game, too. Yeah, that is that is a unique mechanic because you can't just say, I'm going to use the runes here or the power here. I've got to decide how to manage it. I also saw one card that I really liked where you could bring the two together as far as using rune and power to yeah. buy it. Yeah, it's, it's a uh, lifebound card. No, yes, lifebound card that has a night kicker that if it's night, you can spend runes as power and power as runes. So it's this, obviously it's crazy strong in this particular set. Uh, it's a six cost guy. And it's, you know, it gives you, you want to talk about flexibility, it's awesome. And then you also spend a half your turn in the tank going, hold on, how am I going to do this right so I spend everything appropriately? And it's a uh, Hey, you know, good problem to have when you have that embarrassment of riches going on in front of you. So uh, here at Origins, I know you got some brought over special for this show. How's it going on the sales, and when is it going to be street dated? We are running out very rapidly. I should be out by tomorrow, uh, and then it'll be on. It'll be in stores mid July. So look for it then at your local game shop. Yeah, we you know we're super excited about the fact that we can. We've gotten to make ten of these, and we're glad that people have been along for the ride. And we hope everybody enjoys this as much as we enjoy making it and playing it inside. All right. So one other thing that everybody will want to know is when is Dreamscape hitting the iOS? Can you give us any ideas for, on, from that standpoint? If you can't, that's fine. All I know is I just got to get a new uh, iTunes gift card ready. Soon. Trademark. <laughs> Excellent. So thank you so much, Ian. We appreciate your time today, and I hope you have a great show. My pleasure, guys, and enjoy the rest of your show.
Oh my gosh, the surprise of the con. And people, let me tell you right now, go ahead and start getting your money saved for an Essen release. Calls this next game by CGE, Adrenaline, Unreal. Unreal. It is. Paul Grogan, who uh, works with Adrenaline, he came over to the show to do some demos. He also does some uh, videos and, and rule books, et cetera, contacted us and said, hey, I've got this game uh, well, I'd like to show you guys. Would you be interested in seeing it on uh, Wednesday? And he told me the premise. And here's the premise. He said, it's a first-person shooter board game with Euro mechanics. Now, red flags are going up all in my head. It's like, there is no way this can possibly work. So I told him, I'm intrigued. I'll play. We got Tony, myself, Rodney, Matt, and my son, Travis, to sit down and play this game. And Tony, dadgum, if they didn't pull it off. Two years in development, you're like, okay, I I didn't know anything about it, didn't care to know anything about it. But when I was done, I was ready to buy the prototype. Yeah, this now this get this. This was not a, a production copy by any means. This was like a paper maps. This was the figures were like from the Gears of War board game that Paul just to kind of slap some paint on so he can indicate which figure is whose. So very prototypish. And we had the best time. I mean, it was fun. And guys don't, yeah, you're shooting one another, but it doesn't matter because it's by shooting people, you're doing area control. Whoever does the most damage will get the points when that person dies. You don't have to put in the killing blow. No, uh-uh. you just have to damage them. It's not like you can team up on people. So you've got to be able to spread the wealth. You've got to go over there and there's these really cool guns and there's doors and the line of sight. So easy. And then you have, Oh, and the resource management is ammo. You got to pick up the ammo by going by and picking up the cubes. You got these two actions you can do. Yada, yada, yada. So it's a map. And you're trying to move around a map and trying to shoot people, like you said. The thing is, is, is when you find somebody in, in range, you have all these different types of guns that you can pick up. And all these guns do all sorts of different things. Some of them have uh, range attacks. Some of them are melee attacks. But like you said, when you deal damage to somebody, you put your markers on their life board. And when they die, you resolve the points. Whoever has the most markers on their board uh, gets gets the uh, most points and et cetera. But what's cool is there's not a gang up element because the beginning of the game, it was like Rodney and I were like, we're just going to shoot each other till we're both dead. But to win the game, you couldn't do that. No. That didn't make any sense because it was air control. You wanted to do as much damage to everybody as you possibly could. And after you died, you aren't worth as much anymore. So it puts a bigger target on those who hadn't died, which even makes it spread the wealth uh, even more. The whole time we're playing this game, Euro mechanics, but it definitely had the feel of a shooter. It was so such a good experience. And everybody I talked to that sat down and played the game had the same reaction that we did. And what I really enjoyed about it was the payback mechanism, where if someone, if you went up, somebody killed you, the, then they got marked. You gave them one of your tokens so that all of a sudden, hey, if I shoot you, then I get an additional mark on you. And that's that area of control. So you're out there marking people, getting them ready. So you make them a bigger target for you. So they know you're coming gunning for them because that adds to their area of control. Meanwhile, your opponents are sitting there looking at that thinking, well, I better go over there and mark him as well or damage him before those other marks from that other player get on him and he takes my area of control. It was amazing just how well that worked. It was four players, five players. We played on the five-player map. I'm sure that they're going to come out with some better guns, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, Rodney in his stupid power-up glove. That was all. Uh, I'm going to run around and punch everybody. That was a – oh, man. That was that was making – I wanted – if anything could have happened, I wanted to loot his body when he died and took that stupid <laughs> thing. 
There is no looting. But the, after you shoot your gun, you have to reload it. So these there's these three different colored, is it three or four different colored three, cubes? Three. three. And what you have to do is in each room, a random set of cubes will pop up in a room and you go in there and pick up those cubes. And if it matches the right sequence of colors on your gun, you get to reload, reload your gun and put it back in your hand. So that's how that mechanism works. Seriously, Essen, keep an eye out for it. Adrenaline coming out from CGE. I predict a hit right here. Oh, I do too. Now they also had another big, big, big hit that's going to come out at um, Gen Con. And I want to take a minute to point this out to everybody. If you're going to Gen Con, which I'm not, Marty is, and you want to go see CGE, they are not going to be in the exhibit hall. Paul was telling us this. They are going to have their own room aside from the exhibit hall. And what they're going to have there is codename pictures. Now, Marty, I didn't um, do a full demo with this. I got to play a little bit with it. And so the best way I know to describe this thing is code names with pictures. Oh, wait, that's the title. <laughs> well, that's exactly what it is. It works the exact same way. The only difference is, is this, a, this is a five by four grid mm-hmm. instead of a five by five. And the pictures are just black and white, just regular pictures, and everything else works the exact same way. So it's something else to look forward to. I've talked to some people that demoed it and said they actually like it better than the one with words. Right, because the pictures give them more options. Now, of course, one of the big rules is you can't say what if you see, if you have one picture left, you can't say like if you had a reindeer head, you can't say deer or reindeer. You have to still give a clue. It's very unique. Think of, uh, what is it? Dixit? I got an idea. Why don't you think of code name? Think code name with pictures. You know, I, that's a great name for their next, uh, code names game. Code names pictures. I think they ought to stick with that. But anyway, be sh- if you want it, it's going to go fast at Gen Con. Be sure to check them out. They will not, not, not be in the exhibit hall. And Paul wanted us to point that out for him. And we happily do so here. Since Marty and I were both at Origins, we had to go kiss the ring of the Podfather. We knew this. We knew this going into Origins. Stephen Bonacore was going to be there, and well, he's got a ton of games coming out, guys. And and not only that, his booth provided snacks. Okay, we stole the snacks, but that's beside the point. Those were things were so good, Marty. Oh my gosh! And we, yeah, there were homemade goodies oh. back there. Mm. We we are getting ready to play the interview that we had with Stephen. And after it was over, they were motioning me over, hey, you need to come try these. And it was like all these muffins and cookies and candies. Oh, I just wanted to eat over there. Between that and the North Market, I was set. Oh, I, I know. But anyway, so we, we we did our due diligence. We paid our respects to the Fod, Pod, uh, Fod, Podfather. Here's what the man had to say. Tony, we can't come to a major gaming convention without talking to one of our favorite publishers. But since Ignacy is not here, we've decided we're going to talk with Stephen Bonacore of Stronghold Games. We're we're still going to have a little speech impediment problem, but we'll be okay. We'll get it for our Southern listeners figured this out. But anyway. Stephen. Thanks for joining us, Stephen. You guys are awesome. (laughs) Steve, Tony, and the other guy. Marty and the other guy. There you go. Yeah, Steve, we got to ask you. So there are a lot of new games that you've put out at this show, which is which is really cool for Origins. What do you have coming out at this show? I mean, yeah, it's a really the last two months was an absolute insanity of releases, and I mean, there's a reason behind that, and it was that you know we had just established the strategic partnership with Eggerspieler, and we picked relaunched the Village line, right? So the Village, Village Inn, Village Port. 
That, that was the original 2012 Kennerspiel de Jar winner. Uh, and with that, My Village as well. So we printed those all together and brought them over and staggered those releases out. But as well as that, we also have a new Carl Chuddick game, Bear Valley. Stellar Conflict in that same diamond-sized box, the third game in the uh, pocket line. A Animals on Board, which got nominated for the Spiel de Jar. It got recommended for the Spiel de Jar. And Pirate Tunes, my big, uh, big bad build-a-pirate-ship game. Uh, again, another family kind of friendly game. So we're just, you know, it, it was a... Um, kind of a serendipitous thing that all these things kind of hit at the same time but um you know that's a good thing for people coming to origins now because we have a whole bunch of new stuff and as you can see from the booth we've had like basically full tables the entire time we're here it's yeah really i was noticing that i can't get a demo in because everybody else is over here i mean that's amazing though that is great you hang around a little more and then we'll, we'll get you in there i know a guy you know you know, <laughs> you know a guy. I yeah. Well, of uh, all the games you just mentioned, there seemed to be one that's uh, got a lot of people excited. What's the what's the most popular demo table of all these games? I'll tell you the actual my the biggest selling game here uh, for me right now is actually Stellar Conflict, but which by the way is not out yet. Stellar Conflict and Bear Valley are not on the market yet. They'll be out on June twenty second, uh, which I guess is next week. Um, and one of the reasons Stellar Conflict is probably so popular, besides the fact that it really it's really good and really fast, a ten minute game where you're battling um, uh, in real time with us. Uh, Don't forget to really in the Origins Awards. God just spoke as we were standing here talking with Stephen Bonacore. <laughs> so, so Stellar Conflict, you know, it's a real time skirmish game that plays in ten minutes with cards thematically in the Among the Stars universe, so the same races are there, but now they've all come together, and you have this like quick little skirmish on the board in 10 minutes. You build a quick fleet, one minute round, and then you determine who wins. We have a, we sponsor the Bar Coaster at Origins. We get them, at the, we get them here, or at the Big Bar on two at the Hyatt, and this year, it's a playable promo. So you can put your beer on it, or you can play it in the game of Stellar Conflict. So it's made that even more popular, which it was would have been popular anyway. So here, have one, by the way, for your beer and for your playing of Stellar Conflict. Oh, thank you. Plus, she's inking people over here with his Stronghold Games tattoo. A fan of a fan of Stronghold Games just sent me Bernard Donahue, I believe his name is, uh, and he's also a very big fan of the Kabbalists, and he knew that I was uh, going to be over there. So he gave me a... Um, a thousand of these little Stronghold Game logo tattoos, and I've been putting little, like, like kids tattoos, you know, but they look really, really good. They're like really vibrant colors, and, and they don't come off easily in the shower, as no, you can see. No, they don't, assuming that you go into the shower. Mine is still on. Marty's has fallen off. He has to get re-inked. We'll re-ink them really quickly. But that's been the biggest selling game. Bear Valley is doing fantastically. The new Carl Chuddick game. It does not have that insanity, crazy, brain-burny, glory to Rome, Matai and innovation thing. This is on sort of the other end of the spectrum. A little heavier than Red 7, which he did. Uh, that's his lightest game. This one's an exploration game. It's a push-your-luck game where you got to figure out how to get through the woods and escape Bear Valley. Be the first one to escape. You know, your friends that can get eaten by bears. But pir yeah, Pirate Tunes, you're going to build the biggest, baddest, best pirate ship on the seven seas. Um, you will, in this case, be in... Uh, there's an actual pirate chest in that box as well, but it's made of cardboard. It's got a little, like, like little lip on the edge. You put the pieces of the pirate ship face down in there. You close it up, you turn the thing over, and when you reveal it, all this shit, all those pieces are now available, and you rush your pirates over there in a 15-second round to claim the pieces... And then you bring them back on board, 
and you build, you're trying to basically set collect pieces of the pirate ship to make it bigger, to, to get to get more of the certain types of flags, certain types of people, lots and lots of different ways of scoring. Nice, family-friendly, beautiful artwork, so it looks so great on the table. When people see it and play it, they're like, oh. And the boxes, the complete box is printed too. The inside of the box is even printed and it looks like a treasure chest as well. It's very cool. Well, with all these games coming out, that probably means you have nothing left to release at Gen Con, right? No, uh, nothing else, nothing else. I mean, Gen Con is going to be another great convention for us. We're going to have there um, the new Jeff Engelstein and family game, The Dragon and Flagon. That's a tavern, mi medieval fantasy tavern brawling game in a 3D tavern environment. So you're going to have you're going to have standees for all for all the nine different characters, like all the archetypes of fantasy, the clerics and and, and the warriors and monks and all that. Um, and they're brawling over the last flagon of dragon ale and trying to get the most reputation as they as you're hitting people and beating them up you're gaining reputation in the in the tavern and you can do things like like push the table people are going to fall off the table if they jumped onto it pull a rug out from people pick up a pick up a mug and throw it at somebody roll a barrel swing from the chandeliers and kick people or cast spells if you're a spellcaster so all of these things make a really fun crazy um, tavern brawl and that 3D environment just looks so cool. I mean, it's going to be all cardboard and wooden pieces to make the tavern environment. Really excited about that. We also have there the Pursuit of Happiness, uh, where you are basically taking yourself from childhood through old age and trying to be trying to die the happiest person. We've got Kraftwagen or Kraftwagen V6 edition, heavy Euro game, mid-heavy Euro game. Uh, where you're looking at the beginnings of the automotive industry and the new innovation is the V6 engine. And so that's the beginnings of the industry and how it developed in Germany and in Europe. We actually uh, reviewed Krautfog and loved it. Yeah. 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 Can't wait to see what you do with it. Yeah, thank you. Um, what else do we have? I got so many things happening. Now, there was a game that I was very interested in, a Martian-themed game. Oh, yes. We uh, will also have, thank you for reminding me. See, I got so many things. Terraforming Mars. Yeah. Terraforming Mars. Oh, you guys. Okay, see, here's an exclusive. And you reminded me. You're the first person to ask me about Terraforming Mars here. Terraforming Mars has got a lot of cool bits in it, right? There's a million cards in the game, beautiful Martian-type artwork, and we have put, like, a billion cubes in the game of various kinds, but, you know, wood is so passe, you know? So not only do we have, like, the, the clear plastic kind of cool cubes, check out these cubes. This is going to make, make great radio, of course. But these are metallic cubes. Now, they are, like, um, plastic, but they have this metallic coating. So you'll see silver ones, gold ones, and, like, br bronze, would you call that? Bronze ones? I'll call that bronze. Or copper. Copper, copper colored ones. So they, while they are plastic, they're like, um, I forgot the process. They they look like they're metal cubes. They are, are so they cool. Sizes? Because they're different things in the game. And don't ask me what they are in the game because I don't I'm remember. Asking you what they are, <laughs> but they're part of the game. So you've made yes. them different sizes. Different so sizes so, for different so it's reasons. easier to identify what they are. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Okay. They look gorgeous. And I know that, again, this makes for a bad audio, but they look really good. And it's not just your standard looking wooden cubes. I can right. See myself. <laughs> You can see your reflection in the golden cubes and stuff like that. Really, really neat. Plus, there's all plus there's the standard like you know blue transparent and red transparent and yellow transparent. All those cubes. So it's a there's a lot of cubes in the game as you as you collect resources of various types to terraform the planet Mars. So between Ignacy and I, we're conquering Mars this year. 
<laughs> Stephen, this is incredible. I mean, I remember first coming to Origin several years ago. It was a lot smaller booth, and you may be featuring one game coming out. Now you're featuring many games coming out of Origins. So much to see and look at. You have the great pre-ordering uh, process you have on your website for being able to get these games early. And for those that, that came out here, these others going to be coming in store soon. A couple months, we have a lot more coming out. It's, it's, it's another banner year for Stronghold. Yeah, it's going to be another great year. I mean, there's just so many good releases coming out between now and the end of the year. And I got to thank all the fans out there. I mean, they're, they're appreciating what we're doing and they're responding to it so we can keep making great games for you. And uh, thank you guys for helping to spread the great word of gaming and Stronghold Games as well. So thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Stephen. Okay, thanks, guys. Bye-bye. One of our favorite designers is Emerson Matsuuchi. He was the one that designed Specter Ops, games like Vault, and he's just one of the nicest people around. Well, he came out with a game earlier this year that's going to be published by Z-Man Games and also Plat Hat Games were involved called Caravan. Tony and I got to sit down and demo this game, Caravan, in its prototype form again. Tony, he's done it again. He has blown us away with another incredible game. And I think you actually got to play this game twice, didn't you? Uh, three or four times, actually. I never won. I'm going to buy it just because I want to see if I can win at this game. <laughs> and he even introduced it to us. It's a game about pushing cubes. But there's just so much joy in pushing these cubes. You know, you, you have your reservations while you're sitting there thinking. But it's the challenge of trying to get that economic engine going. So basically, guys, what you're trying to do in Caravan is there are two rows. And you're trying to decide how to move up through four resources. So you're trying to build your caravan. You have these camels. In any game with a camel is a winner. We know that. Oh, that's definitely true. And each of these resources have different uh, uh, values. Like it goes from, is it yellow to green to blue to red? Yes, it does. Uh, actually got, or somewhat like that. So you, to, you have to trade up from one color to the other and you start out with the lowest. And then there's these cards that you can collect over the course of the game to help you make that transition. And then in very Splendor-ish type mechanics, the victory point cards require a certain combination of these cubes in order to pick them up and score victory points. But Tony, the really cool thing is, is how you buy the cards. Because there's a line of cards, and from left to right, the card on the left is free. But if you want a card down the line, you have to take a cube and drop it on each card preceding that one before you can pick it up. And then those cubes stay on the cards, making those early cards more valuable over time. That's really pretty much it. And even Emerson said, I'm not doing anything new here. He said, I'm just one to make a, he said this, soulless, themeless cube pusher. And you think, why is the designer calling it that? But it was the most fun. For people, maybe not Splendor, but Scoville. Scoville has the same where you're collecting colors to make the recipes for the peppers. But that's the same thing. You're trying to get those victory points, which is by getting those right cubes. But how do you get that engine going? How do you play it? You play a card, you do its action. And if you want to trade, like let's say you have three yellows and you have a card that says for three yellows, you get a blue or three yellows gives you two greens. But then what you're looking for, and I didn't realize this until the third game and I'm listening to Emerson. He goes, you're trying to look for that combination that will benefit you the most so that maybe you trade in those three yellows for two greens but you have a card that has two greens will then benefit you and bring back maybe four yellows or five yellows and and right and his my, math mind oh my heavens he says i got a ton of spreadsheets i asked him i said no so how'd you come up with all these different combinations of cards did you just trial and error he said 
Well, no, it was all very mathematical. I, I weighted each card and each cube had a weight and I put into a spreadsheet and generated the cards. And I was like, uh, okay. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, and as a playtester for this game, I'm amazed at how far it's come along. This is the game that has two different types of uh, boxes, basically. One, he said, it looks like a plain old Euro with some drab colors and some cubes, and the other has more flashy colors and with these nice little kind of like quartz uh, crystals to add. But they play exactly the same. He said, yeah, just buy a chip for one that looks best to you. And I can't believe you let me get by with that comment. Which comment? You're not listening to me tonight. I already know it. Uh, Playtesting. Did you playtest it? You don't. Oh, dude, you don't remember? Yeah, I was in the playtester list, but I didn't realize it. And so Keith Collins was giving me grief about it. He says, I saw your name in the playtester group. And I go, I'm the playtester? If your name's in the rule book. My name's not going to be in the rule book because I never turned in anything because I didn't know I was going to be a playtester. <laughs> Why don't you read your email? That would be a good thing, wouldn't it? I just, I just completely missed it. And, but that's just fun. When he told me that I, I'm like, Oh really? I could have been play testing this. Oh, that sucks. Emerson. Uh, thank you so much for taking down, uh, taking time to sit down and demo those games for us. And just like Emerson, Tony, you got to demo games for people. And I salute all those demoers out there. People who spend their time at the cons trying to demo games to people. You've got limited attention span and oh my gosh. So for eight hours, four, four hours on Thursday and four hours Saturday morning, I got the demo at Portals Booth. Thank you, Chevy, for letting me have this opportunity. Crazy carts. First off, let me set the record straight here. Yes, we kid about fonts, but Portal employees should not harass their demoers. <laughs> How so did they harass you? Okay, so I'm just going to call him by his wrong name. Raphael, since I was doing, he's a turtle to me now. Raffle was giving me, he came, uh, you know, kidding him about the font. And he goes, come here. Come here. Uh, who, got, who is Raffle, by the way? He is one of the lead designers for Portal Games, if I remember correctly. Does right? he do the art and graphics? I think so. He does all that good stuff. He's in charge of it. And Ignacy told us that, hey, he's going to be here. You can give him a grief about, you know, picking the small fonts and all. All right. So he's in charge of the fonts. Go ahead. Got it. That's all that matters. He's in charge of making us blind. Okay. So, so anyway, he comes over. He says, come here. Come here. I, got, I got something for you. I know that's not how he talks. But anyway, he goes, I, and I say, oh, I got something for you. I've got a moon pie. And he goes, oh, okay. Well, thank you. Is this for Ignacy? And I said, that's for you to determine. <laughs> I bet it didn't make it to Ignacy, but go ahead. It didn't. And anyway, he gives me a present and I open it up and it's a magnifying glass. <laughs> yeah, that's real funny. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Jokes on them. I used it later. Oh, that is so good. And what else did they do? Oh, they made a large crazy cart <laughs> foam board with big texts for me to use as my demo board. And big old carts too. It was awesome looking. It was. It was great. Thank you. I don't know who put that. If Chevy put that together, I think it's something they're going to carry around. But they made Chevy made sure he tweeted out that that was mine, so I could not slow down the demo, so I could read the cards for people. Oh, so how was it demoing? It was a lot of fun. It's very challenging, and everybody on this who listens to us knows I have a challenge of doing rules. But crazy cards. I know y'all seen some very. Um, negative, not so nice reviews about it, but everybody who came there enjoyed playing it. They found it to be fun and chaotic. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was forcing them to play it as, a, as in my opinion, how it needs to be played fast. 
you got to play that game pretty darn quick. Gotcha. Yeah, you didn't let people sit there and get AP. And I guess you forced the countdown rule after placing cards, right? I let them do it one time, and then I forced uh-huh. the countdown rule. And then we even had one group who only had, got a speed up to seven or something and only had one card, and they placed it down. We were doing that. And everybody was having fun. The hardest part was getting them to understand the goblins turn and go. Yeah. Little kids were coming in. They were demoing it. They They enjoyed it. But I will say this. They were all liking it, but you know, you're at a con, you're trying to figure out, and, and even to our local game stores, everybody was like, "Oh, okay, walk away." Where's Amazon on their phone? Really? Yep. But you know what? They did sell a lot of copies. They brought a lot yeah. of copies there, but by uh, Sunday, a lot were gone too. So you helped move copies. I, I did. I moved product. I was pushing the game. Yep. So as we just mentioned, Crazy Carts is now available in stores, but there's more goodies on the way. Also out in stores is Three is the Magic Number, the expansion for Imperial Settlers. The new faction was announced. Aztecs will be coming out later on for Imperial Settlers. Pre-orders for Cry Havoc, a game that Tony and I are really looking forward to, is also out. And that game will be available at Gen Con. Also, we got to see an early version of the new Tides of Time game, Tides of Madness, which is a Cthulhu-themed game with some great creepy art and a whole new mechanic called Madness, which changes the game a lot. That, too, will also be out available at Gen Con. To find out more, go check out portalgames.pl. One of the highlights of the show was we got to hang out with the couple that won the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund auction that we ran last year, and that was Angel and Chris. They were the ones that won the auction and wanted to play a game with us at a convention, and we did that at Origins. And the game that they wanted to play is a game we just talked about, Crazy Carts. And what was so cool is they asked, is there any way maybe Chaz could play? So I asked... Chaz said he would love to. Chaz asked Rodney Smith from Watch It Played to be his teammate. So we all got together uh, to, to play this game. And who walks up? But Jamie from The Secret Cabal and and Matt Evans and also uh, who's from Board Game Replay and Emerson just kind of checking out what was going on. And they actually sat down and played with us. And Tony, you kind of emceed the whole game. So we had a full table and they were just loving it because we had all these these great media people come in and Emerson designer come in and play with us. And they just had a blast. And Chris and Angel... Thank you so much for donating to the auction. It was so much fun hanging out and game with you. Tony, they're a super nice couple. Oh, they were. And then uh, Chris showed up at a meetup that we'll talk about later. But I also want to say a big thank you to Jamie, Rodney, Chaz, Emerson, Matt for sitting at the table and doing that because that was above and beyond unexpected guys class act right there. Those guys were just awesome to take time out of their night to do that for them. And it meant the world to Chris and Angel. So thank you so much. I'm here with my good buddy, Scott Morris from Passport Game Studios. And we want to talk about the new games that you just brought out of Origins that seem to be a hit around here. Yeah, they've been really popular. We have actually two new releases here. Uh, So the first one is Salem, uh, designed by Joshua Balvin. He's a gentleman who designed Fool's Gold for us. It came out recently as well. Uh, Salem is a really cool game. So it's a hidden uh, information deduction puzzle type game. Uh, It's all set during the witch witch trials in Salem, Connecticut. 
one of the things I really love about it is that uh, Joshua took the time to actually contact the descendants of the real people that are in the game and get their approval around like historical accuracy and things like that. But it's really cool. It's a game where uh, each player has a set of villagers. Some of them could be witches, and some of them could be true villagers. And it's up to you to determine who are the witches in the village. Uh, and every turn and every action you take is going to provide more information as the game goes on. Uh, and it plays a lot of people. It plays three to seven people, which is really, really cool. Uh, totally kind of different style take on the deduction type games. Uh, most people have been asking like what the weight of it is or how heavy of it is. Uh, and the easiest way I can describe it is about the same par as Alchemist, which has also been obviously received very well. Uh, and then the second game we have is Simurg, which is from one of our partners, NSKN Games. Uh, this has been extremely popular here. It was already released at Essen by them in uh, Europe last year, received very, very well. Uh, if anyone wants to learn more than what I'm about to tell you about it, Rado Runs Through did a great review of it. We're going to get you guys a copy so you guys can do a review as well. Um, but basically it's a dragon-based worker placement game. Uh, you I'm in. Yeah, exactly. Right? Who doesn't want to be a dragon, right? I mean, that's awesome. Um, you have different types of workers in the game. You have spearmen and you have dragon riders. And the dragon riders have the ability to go to any action space, but the spearmen can only go to certain ones because they're not as cool. They don't have the, the flying ability. Um, but you can get more spearmen than dragon riders, so it's a balance of managing your workers. The thing that I really like about the game is that there are variable ways to trigger endgame, and each game is extremely different. Um, there are tiles, uh, very similar to how other worker placement games will add spaces that you can take more actions to. There are tiles that you will put out into what's called the wilds and generate more spaces to use. And on your turn, you're either placing, act uh, placing characters or retrieving characters. Whenever you retrieve characters, if one of those tiles is emptied and no one is on it, it goes away and becomes part of what's called the chronicle of the world, and it's like the history of the world, and once a certain number of tiles are removed from the game, depending on the number of players in the game, that can trigger endgame. That's just one way. The other way is that there are endgame bonus tiles that you can take an action to go and reveal one, and as those get revealed, again, depending on the number of players in the game, a certain number of those will trigger endgame as well. So there is an actual potential in the game that you can trigger endgame by removing all these tiles to the Chronicle and not reveal any endgame bonuses. We had a game yesterday, we were playing a demo, and a uh, person finished and, and the last tile was removed from the game. He goes, cool, so now we add up endgame bonuses? And one of the guys like, no one took that action. There's no endgame bonuses. And he's like, that's the score. And he's like, oh man, why didn't we like do one more, right? It's like, so it gives you that feeling of like, you know, changing your strategy every game. Uh, just while I've been here, I've been able to demo it nine times for people already over the last couple of days, and I've taken a different strategy each time, which has been really cool to see that it's open to whatever you want to do. Most worker placement games are based on restriction, uh, where the idea of I put my worker in a place and then it blocks you or it blocks Tony. What the base game, like when you just look at the base board, there are only two spots that are restrictive. Everything else is an unlimited worker spot, so any number of people can go there. And then as you add tiles, that's going to add more restriction to the game. So really it allows the players to customize how open or how restricted the game is, which is really, really fun and exciting. It's been received extremely well here, so we're really happy with it. Alright, but why don't you say what is the one sentence that sold me and I've sold others on just from the one sentence about this game. Do you remember? The one sentence was, uh, well, was the beginning of you get to be a dragon or? No, what was you said? If I compare this to. Oh, it's Lords of Waterdeep Advanced. <laughs> Bam. That was it. When he said that, I was like, okay, I'm in. And then I told somebody else that and they said, okay, I'm in. And came actually over here and talked to you about it and actually purchased the game. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they were a great couple. We had a really good conversation about it and they seemed really excited about it, which is good. So 
Uh, one last thing. You also have a new app here you're showing off. Tell a little about that. You, yeah, which is going to come across really well on a podcast, right? It's like, uh, no, so the, uh, the app is Takedo. Uh, most people know Takedo. It's our foundation game. It's really, really popular. It's been out for several years. Um, that is from FunForge. They're our partner in France, and they do a great job. It's a wonderful brand designed by Antoine Bauza, who most people have heard of. Uh, he's had a couple hits, one or two. But the app is absolutely beautiful, and it's a very different thing. And you can see, I'm sure, you, you know, we'll get you guys screenshots and some video screens and things like that. Um, but it's not just the digitized version of the board game. And that's probably the most important thing to know about it. It is an actual three-dimensional world that if you didn't know it was based on a board game, you would have no idea you're playing a board game. It is really, they, they came at it with a brilliant idea of, we're going to make a video game that just so happens to be based on a board game. And what it does is it offers people two different options. If you're a, a lover of Takedo already, which so many people are, it gives you a way to take it on the go. Uh, and if you don't know about Takedo, and maybe you're not even into board games, you suddenly see this beautiful app that's on the, the store, the app store, or the Google Play store, and all of a sudden you get into it and you're like, whoa, wait, there's a board game and I can play a physical version of this as well. So it kind of comes from both sides of the spectrum, which is really, really exciting and fun. Um, it's going to come out around Essen time frame, so about middle of October. Uh, we're not sure what the price is yet. They haven't told us that, but as soon as we know, we'll obviously share it. Um, the big thing is that it's going to be on iOS, on Android, on Steam, and on Mac, including cross-platform, which is pretty awesome. So your Android tablet, my phone, and Rob or Tony's you know, computer could do work, and we're all playing together, which is... And that's great. And I've actually seen the game, and you're absolutely right. If somebody's just to walk up to it, it does not look like a board game at all. If somebody's to pull up the board game ticket to write, it looks like a board game. This it doesn't does. look like that at all. Yeah, it does. And that's a big differentiator for it, too. The other thing, and it's kind of funny, there's these little tiny details in the app that I love. So when you go to a panorama space and you get your panorama card, it actually paints the first piece of your panorama. And then as you get more, it continues to paint it on. Uh, and my favorite thing is that when you go to the hot springs and you draw a monkey card or the three-point cards, which have the monkeys on them, the monkeys pop out of the hot springs, right? Which is just, it's just little details that just make the experience really unique and really artistic, which fits extremely well, right? Nowadays, art is absolutely gorgeous. And that game, a lot of people look at it and they're like, I don't know how to play it. I just want to own it because it looks so beautiful, right? So it's really nice to see them bring that experience in a whole new way through the app to players. If people want to find out more about Salem, and I want to, I never pronounce it right, Simurg? Simurg. 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 Yep, Simurg. Couldn't you come up with an easy little pronounced name? Uh, I could have probably, but the NSK ends the one that came up with the name. So it's all about the world and the, the, the fantasy of, you know, uh, we're humans working with dragons. Uh, we're you know, fighting off this impending doom that's coming, so we're trying to build our houses up to be powerful. Uh, so it's, it's a very big, uh, actually in the very beginning of the rulebook, there's a big intro of, you know, what is actually happening in the world. So if you like thematics, it's definitely going to be there for you. So if they want to find out more about that game, uh -huh. Salem and the Tokaido app, where can they find out more information? Sure. Uh, so PassportGameStudios.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter by searching Passport Games. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, uh, YouTube.com slash PassportGameStudios. So we're really excited about everything we got to show everybody. Yeah, except that Chaz guy's on that YouTube channel, so that makes it kind of squirrely. Yeah, yeah, I keep him on YouTube, though. I don't let him out of the public. I just leave him on YouTube. So. Okay, that's probably the best place for him. Thanks so much, Scott. Thank you, guys. We are now at Friday in our adventure through Origins. And let me tell you this, people. Friday was the biggest waste of time of my convention, period. <laughs> Dude, holy cow, that's harsh. Well, okay. 
Maybe it was not a waste of time for the other people that participated in the Ashes tournament hosted by Plaid Hat Games and Isaac Vega was there and everything, but maybe I wasted their time when they were playing me because it, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. Oh, I got so much work to do. So much work. None of us fared well, right? I, we played five games. Rodney did. Yeah. Hold on. We'll get to him. You were one and four? Yeah, yeah, fine. Okay, well, I was one and four. My son Travis was one and four. It just so happens both of our wins came against you. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, whatever. Rodney Smith was three and two. Mr. Rodney himself, he did a really good job, actually. He ended up facing the guy that won the whole thing, so he had a really uh, a tough match. But anyway, Plat Hat Games did a fantastic job. They actually rented out this place called Kingmakers, which was a board game cafe uh, just down the street from the convention center. Very nice place. Great host. Uh, Tony, we had 18 people there. Plat Hat came with all these wonderful giveaways. We got posters and dice and extra cards and alt cards. They really put on a good experience, even though you didn't have a good time. Oh, I had a great time. Uh, I'm just kidding. But it was, it was, I thought I had something. I thought I had something different, something people wouldn't see. And I quickly learned that, no, that strategy doesn't work. I'm going to have to revamp it. And that's the good thing about a, a CCG type game is that you live and learn. And I, I enjoyed losing as much as I did, well, okay, I won one game, and that was by pure luck, I think. So, all in all, great experience. I'm glad I haven't played in a tournament in a long time. I haven't either, but it was a great time. I think it's a good way to kind of learn the game a little bit better. We have some local tournaments here we're going to get into, but regardless, it was not a waste of time for us. We we were just kidding. It was a great time. Thank you, Isaac. Thank you, Plat Hat Games, for putting on such a great event. And Tony Isaac took time to show us all the future art that's coming out for the game. Oh my gosh, Fernanda Suarez is a brilliant artist. Oh yeah, and I mean, so if you haven't pre-ordered, I know that's another commercial, sorry guys, but it's the, this stuff, it looks incredible. It really does. The time she puts in there, and Isaac was telling us about the various alternate arts and things like that, so Ashes will continue to be something that you and I get to play. But you know what? You were able to take it easy that night, because that night was the big Secret Cabal meetup. But before that big meetup, we had our meetup. Yes, we did. So we'll roll back to that one, which was a much smaller scale meetup (laughs) than what their meetup was. But regardless, in our forums, we did not advertise this on this podcast. We did not advertise it in any social media. We just thought we'd post in the forums, hey, at 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon, we're going to be at the portal booth in case anybody wants to come by, hang out, and maybe we'll have some prizes to give away. And Tony, that turned out really well. We had a good number of people show up. We had to get rushed out of the aisle because we were blocking the aisle. Thank you, Chevy, for letting us invade your booth and take over your booth for five minutes where we were able to get support from people like Portal Games and Passport Games and Stronghold Games and Cryptozoic gave us prizes to give away there. And we gave away tons of great games. Everybody got a moon pie. Some RCs were, were handed out. It was such a good time. It was, and cannot thank Passport Portal and Stronghold enough for donating the raffle prizes. Those were great. My wife, whose name, by the way, is Donna. Marty's wife is Vanessa. That was a trivia question at the meetup, (laughs) but that's okay. It was good to see squirrel shirts. 
It was great to see the faces, to associate the faces with the people who are on the BGG Guild that we have. And Mm -hmm. thank you guys for taking your time from your convention to come over to the portal booth and just say hello. It was was humbling. It really was. Marty and I thought we'd be walking home with our own prizes. (laughs) <laughs> I'm kind of upset that we weren't. It was like, because uh, there were some great gifts that they gave us to give away. It's like, dang, I wish I could win this stuff. Oh, I know. That was awesome. But aside from all that greatness, we then ventured forth and headed over to the huge meetup at the Secret Cabal. Go listen to their show. I'm sure they're going to talk about it. But Marty and I got there. I got to hang out with some great people there who we got to talk to. I, it was a lot of fun. And I don't know if you know this, Marty. I ran interference. For who? Rodney. How so? I stood in front of him so he could eat his dinner. Nobody could see around me. Okay, that's just kind of sad. Well, it's kind of sad for you. No, I was fine with it. It was just funny. It was I was kidding with him, and I was just standing there, and he's like, oh, dude, you're running interference. You know, he had his big sandwich there. I said, no, I was actually trying to steal your sandwich. <laughs> But no, it was a great time. It, it was. was it was held at a, a local bar. Uh, it kind of got really crowded and really hot in there. But we were walking around, and Tony, I saw other people wearing squirrel shirts there, which was great. We got pictures with people. We got to to shake some hands and meet some other people. And you're talking about prize support. Holy cow! They were giving away a lot of games there. Did I tell you this? That the one of the numbers pulled was two hundred five, and our number was two hundred one. And you wanted strike. And I wanted strike. Sorry. That's all right. But that was that was a great night. That uh, that one kind of uh, went on for a while. In fact, Chaz and I went back to the convention center to play some games, and, and you disappeared. What did you do? Well, I um, actually I left out of there after the raffle came up and was talking to some people, and then I headed back to the convention center. I got to hang out with Tantrum House, Kevin and Melissa, and I got to play one of their new games called Steam Court, which is a steampunk trick-taking game that has role-playing aspects. It's on their website. Go check it out. I enjoyed that. That was a fun little card-taking game. A friend of ours, Nate, he came up and taught a demo to game for me. I, this was the time when I was near Pikachu's butt. Oh, nice. So you did get to play near Pikachu. Yeah, I did. Then we headed back over to the hotel, and this was my late night out, and we continued to play, uh, I believe it was Karuba. We played twice, which is an... Uh, yellow game and we played that a couple of times they taught me that and that's an interesting tiling game um that's one that my wife would definitely enjoy and you got into the room late didn't you yeah i got there about 145 man you were quiet as a mouse i didn't hear you at all but tony you know who i did hear no, who? Well, I heard him too. I, I know you exactly oh who you heard. God. Our other roommate was Matt Evans from Board Game Replay, who got in about two thirty. Now, I will say that at the Secret Cabal meetup, it is kind of understood that if you're going to be there for all hours in the morning, you're probably partaking of some alcohol, and when that happens, your senses might be dulled a little bit. So, about two thirty a.m., the door opens and and, and walks Matt and. I kind of woke up and I thought, oh, okay, Matt's home. Matt's home. Matt's back at the room. And then all of a sudden, Matt decides I can't see where I'm going. So he turns on his flashlight on the back of his phone. Tony, that was like a stinking searchlight from a lighthouse. It was. It it lit up the whole... He should have just turned on the lights to the room. It would have been less intrusive. <laughs> so he's he's got his light on trying to find the bed. And he, he finally gets over to it. But as he's doing it, he's waving his phone all over the place. I'm being blinded by this light, lying in bed. And I'm not saying anything because, well, I figure, well, he's just going to lay down and go to bed. But then all of a sudden I hear this crinkling and crackling. Was he eating over there? He was. I'm laying there. I'm thinking, okay. And yes, people, we were sharing accommodations here. So we had a queen bed and Matt was on his side. I was on my side. And I'm like, be still. 
just lay down and be still. Because <laughs> he's getting up and sitting back down, getting back up, sitting da- back down, knocking his water bottle off. He's thirsty. And I'm like, what are you doing over there? And you know me. You know me very well. I don't get mad. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you were getting irritated a little bit. That button was slightly getting pushed. <laughs> So, and let me, if I heard this right, was he eating a hot pocket in bed? Yeah, there was a waff of Italian hot pocket. Hot pockets. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh! I'm like, and so, oh. I didn't know. I didn't know that, but I did hear the opening and crinkling of a water bottle. And then he would oh. like, like lay down. And all of a sudden, someone would come crashing on the floor. He turned on his light and sit up and find it, whatever it was. Put it back, lay down. It crashes on the floor again. He gets up. Next thing I know, I hear a water bottle being tossed across the room, and then finally he falls asleep. We love you, Matt. We really do. And it was not. <laughs> it was. It was just funny, you know. It was funny. It was funny. And then, but I'm sitting there. I swear to you, Marty. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, if he is this drunk. I hope he doesn't get sick. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know? <laughs> he was still feeling the effects the next morning because uh, Travis and I got... Uh, that was one of the nights we went to bed early. It's so weird. Everybody else went to bed uh, late, and Travis and I got in bed by 1130. So Travis and I got up and went and got breakfast, and, and Matt comes walking out, and like he's wearing my badge. Yes. And it's like, yeah, uh, dude, that that's my badge. So he was still kind of feeling the effects the next morning. Yeah, he was. One of the reasons why we had to get up early is because we had some other people to go talk to. And one of the people we wanted to go talk to was over at Steam Forge Games, where the designers of Guild Ball was there. And I got to talk with them for a bit. I am here with Matt and Rich from Steamforge Games, and these are the designers of the miniatures game Guild Ball. Thanks, gentlemen, for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Guild Ball, why don't you give us a little bit of overview of this of this game? Because we've talked about this on our show. It's a miniatures game, but just kind of give us the, for those out there, it's like, I have never heard of this. What is this game all about? Uh, so Guild Ball uh, is a, based in the Empire of the Free Cities, and basically is a, a game where several teams come together and these big overarching guilds are kind of making these players play on a football pitch to kind of deal with and sort out the Machiavellian deals happening in the background. Uh, it's played on a, an open table shop, so if you take games, think of games like Blood Bowl, we'll take it off the, the grid and put it onto a pitch. Uh, so more of a skirmish format, it's a 6v6 and you can win by scoring goals or, or taking people out. Um, and the game's pretty fun, it's like 60 to 90 minutes and it's been received massively well in the UK, US at the moment, so it's, it's really growing. Now, you originally got your start, you did a kick, very successful Kickstarter, and I believe you've just kicked off Season 2, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, so Season 2 uh, has just been launched. Uh, season 2, Season 1 was all about kind of creating the world and getting the teams out there, the first eight teams. Season 2 has actually brought in a lot more of the, the campaign-style things. So we've actually brought in the big league, so people playing week in, week out in their local clubs, they can support that now via our big league system. And we've also brought in a brand-new team, the Hunters Guild, so they're going to you know, expand the roster, so nine guilds in total now. And every other team has got some new players to play with, so it's uh, really kind of filling out the world and starting to build the story as well, seeing what from season one season two and uh, kind of growing the whole world and get people involved and immersed in it so how well has the game been received at origins which is kind of perceived as like a board gaming type convention well so far the stand's been busy all day uh, every day and that includes the wednesday which is a bit of a bit of a half day they kind of let the doors open people wander around but we were we were solid all the way through so everyone who plays guild ball um and and, and sees the demo 
sees how easy it is to pick up. It's a really accessible game, takes you maybe two minutes to learn the basic mechanics, and then two or three minutes into the demo, you start to see how the combos can work, how the models can work with each other, and, and the, the depth of the game just starts opening up in front of you. And we, we've done really well, actually. And, and I mean, we came to Origins, we didn't, we didn't necessarily know that it was predominantly a board game show. We just knew it was a significant show, and, and there was a lot of people here. And, you know, at Steamforge, we, we want to engage with our community. That's why Rich and I are here in, you know, in person to, to meet with people, play with people. I was lucky enough to kind of get some spare time and actually play some games in the free play area. So I played with a couple of the guys, you know, local guys who play the game. Um, so yeah, it's been been really well received. Coming from a person who's like played a lot of board games, and they're like, I don't know, this miniature game kind of scares me. What can you tell them? It's like, look, the transition from going from a board game with miniatures, which there are a lot of them out there like now, like Blood Rage and everything like that, to like a real miniatures game. How can you make that jump easy for those types of people? So we spent quite a lot of time thinking about that in season two. So, you know, a lot of the barriers of entry are things like how a model goes together. You know, it's quite scary to get three or four parts, things like that. So some of our missions in season two are one-piece models. So you just pick them out of the boat, put them in a base, and you can play. Um, we've tried to, we've made the pitches. So our products come with, like, an open freebie free pitch that you roll out of neoprene. And it creates a, a kind of pseudo board game feel about the product. So I think there's more and more people now, like, like you say, having the miniature board games and understanding that it's not too much of a jump now to, to actually enter the tabletop world and I think a lot of the tabletop companies are trying to you know, harness that and try and make their products more accessible especially we at Steamforge are trying to do that. It's a small model game um, with as Rich says very simple to put together models um, which just gives it that accessibility that you, you get from opening a board game like Blood Rage you know where the models pop out and they look amazing and what you're seeing more and more now I feel is is board game players are expecting that level of, of quality in their miniatures, um, which is interesting because that's a trait that all miniatures players you know, also expect as well. So, you know, it's, it's one of those games that when you walk by, it could look like a board game. It also looks like a miniatures game, so it, it, it appeals to both camps. Um, and what's interesting is you find that both camps suddenly realise that there isn't that much of a quantum leap between the two camps and in fact they, they kind of overlap each other and, and Gilball sits very nicely in that in that middle ground there. Also I think one thing that's less intimidating too is you just said it's six versus six. I think lots of times when board gamers go into game stores and they see people playing Warhammer 40k or Flames of War where there's all these models over the board, that's very intimidating. But the six versus six is also an easy uh, barrier to, to jump over because it's very easy to get just put six guys together and just go out and play a game. Absolutely, yeah. You know, it's a uh, that small model count is is been one of the big pullers for our game is that for the fact that people can just get six guys, put them down. You know, for a hundred bucks, you're completely in on our game. And uh, I think there's definitely been a shift in the industry of people liking these smaller get buying games so they can explore more options. You know, Guild Ball was started as a second game for us. You know, we we saw it as kind of we set aside your main armies, your main tournament games. But what we've actually seen is a shift to that this is now a main game for people because they love playing this small model count. They like going to tournaments and actually turning up with a small bag which has all the toys in it and all the tools. So it's, it's been a real shift over the last 12 months. So you got season two out. You got you know what's going to be coming out in the future for this game? What, what plans you have? Rich and I are already working on season three. Um, one of the uh, new guilds has been announced. It's the Farmer's Guild. 
Um, very little details have come out about that, but uh, that's that's the team that we're working on the most. Um, probably some more news on that at Gen Con, uh, maybe even kind of first visuals on that. Coming out in the next couple of months, uh, all the new mascots for each of the teams, and beyond that, the veteran players. So that, that sees our release schedule through the rest of the year, and then it's onwards and upwards with Season 3. Fantastic. I think I forgot to mention, too, I believe your rules are actually free online. You don't need to buy a book or anything like that. So that's just one less uh, barrier to entry is the rules are there. You just need to get the models. And not only that, we, we also do paper dolls. So if you want to try a model out before you buy it, just download it, print it out, stick it on a base, and you can you can play a few games with it and get, get to grips with it. Fantastic. And you guys are going to be at uh, Gen Con, it sounds like, both Absolutely. of you? Absolutely. Yeah, we've got a big booth at Gen Con. There's going to be some really nice announcements over the next few weeks and that about Gen Con. So I think people are going to be buzzing what they see what we're doing there. All fantastic. And if people want to hear these announcements, where they can, where can they go to get them? So steamforge.com. It's got all our information there. If not, type Steamforge into Facebook. You'll get all our information there. Stay with Twitter. Uh, we're all over the place. <laughs> fantastic. Thanks for your time, Rich and Matt. Thank you. Thank you very much. I have forever heard how great a game El Grande is, but I've never got a chance to play. And it's kind of come back up because of the big box version that came out. And I told uh, Jamie I would love to play this game. So he brought it. He and myself and and Rodney, and it kind of switched out. Steve from the Secret Cabal was there, and then Barry Reynolds took his place because Steve had to go somewhere. Got to play El Grande. Oh, and Travis, too. So we got to play El Grande. And Tony, you've never played that game, have you? No, I have not, but it looked pretty impressive over there with that big towery thing. Oh, yeah, it's it's so cool. It's an old, old game. It's a pretty straightforward area control game. The really cool mechanic is, is, is you have cards 1 through 13, and you can only use one card once per game, and you secretly uh, show a card, and whichever has the highest number gets the first pick of five action cards. And it's it's simple where you get guys, you deploy guys into areas. If you have the most in the area, you get the highest victory points. Second gets the second most, etc. The action cards you can select do different things like moving guys off the map, moving your guys around, etc. It's a very, very basic game. Nothing fancy, nothing really exciting or mind-blowing, just a basic game, but I had the best time. It's like sometimes the simplest rules now, everything has to be so complicated and convoluted now, that going back to just a simple, straightforward game was such a pleasure. Thank you so much to Jamie for teaching that. I really had a good time playing, even though I was ahead for most of the game until the very last turn when somehow, guess who passed me? Rodney. Was was Rodney playing? Oh, and that's right. He was. He was playing that with you. And then we swapped, right? Who All the play. Because Pete Shively showed up from... Uh, Shirey. Shirey. Sorry, Pete. My bad. Um, he showed up and he sat down and played something else with you, didn't he? Oh, Rangers of the North Sea. Oh, that was a fun game. I like that game. It's a worker placement game. It kind of had the feel. It kind of looked like Champions of Midgard. Really cool game. I enjoy playing uh, that one too. But what did you get to play? I've got to play... Play me a new Simon game that's coming out. It's a quick dice rolling game. It didn't resonate with you. I had a blast playing it. Roll the dice as quick as you can to accomplish your goal. And and it is it was a fun little game that we were playing and having a blast with. And we got to play Strike again. Yay! So I'm sitting over there playing a bunch of dice games. And then we got to play the Shadow Run, the Shadow Run game that has dice in it too. What is it? Yeah, the, it just came out. It's a push your luck dice game, but in the Shadow Run universe. That one was lasting too long. But the other one, Play Me, I have fun with. Shadowrun, Push Your Luck game. I think it's Encounters, Shadowrun. And it's versus Shadowrun Encounters. 
that one where you're trying to collect the the most amount in yuan. Isn't that the currency? Yeah, Nguyen. Yeah, the currency, yeah. And you're hiring um, the Shadowrun guys to come out and help you, and it's a push-your-luck game. Try to accomplish missions by rolling exactly the number shown on the card. That was fun. Meanwhile, we were waiting for other people. I taught Matt how to and his friend um, how to play Six Nymph. Um, mm-hmm. And then suddenly Pete shows up, and I gather up the cards real quick, and it's time to play Oath of the Brotherhood, a worker placement flight pirate game. That was fun. I enjoyed that. You actually uh, bought uh, Rodney's copy because he couldn't fit it in a suitcase, right? Yes, I did. And it, and there were tons of them because had he not sold it to me when he had to leave the next day, I would have bought it at Cool Mini or not. Or not cool, cool Stuff, Inc., because they had a bunch of them. They were selling their Essen games 20% off. And I'm like, for $15, that's a, that's a solid game. Yeah, they had a lot of really good games cheap. Uh, one of the ones that uh, Jamie got to play that I thought was really cool, I got to start but didn't get to finish, was called uh, Amber Out, mm-hmm. which was an Essen uh, 2015 game. I'm sure he's going to talk about that on his show. So go listen to Secret Cabal, because that was a, a cool little game, too. We also we sat down, I sat down with Dan King, Steve, uh, Secret Cabal, and Jamie, and we played Sleuth. Jamie had uh, been wanting to play Sleuth. D- Dan King said that's one of his favorite games of all time. It's from 1971. Tony, this is a 100% deduction game. Uh, do you remember those logic puzzles that we used to play as kids where they would give you certain facts and you had the grid? And as you read the facts, you would cross off like, okay, there's there's five people. One has apples. One has grapes. And you try to determine who has who and who lives in what house, that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what this is. There's a whole deck of cards. There's one card that's removed. And the cards are basically gems where there's four different colors. There's four different types of gems. And then there's the each... A gem has either one, two, or three of that type of gem on it. One card is removed, and there are cards that are placed out that you can draw from where you can ask questions. Like you can say, how many pairs do you have in your hand? Or, Jamie, how many uh, yellow pearls do you have? And, and he will show me those cards, and from that I can mark off, you know, that he has those, where everybody else will have to say, okay, well, he passed him two. And so it's straight 100% logic. I, my brain was hurting by the end. But but the funniest thing was all of us screwed up. So Jamie said, I got this. I know what it is. And he asked me a final question and I showed him a card and he went, crap. And if you guess wrong, you're out of the game. So all of a sudden he was out. So it was Dan, me and Steve. Dan later on said, I got this. And he asked somebody a question. They showed him a card. He's like, I somehow screwed up too. So it's down to, uh, to me and Steve. And I think, all right, there's this one card that I have not seen which is a green, no, it is a red card with three pearls. So I asked, I think I confirmed that nobody else had it except Steve. I said, Steve, show me all your three pearl cards. He shows me a green one, okay? For some reason, I thought he showed me a red. And in my mind, I thought, okay, well, then I must be wrong. It was the red with the three pearls. He hmm. showed me, he sh- I guess when he showed me a card, I thought, oh, crap, it's the red one. And then I looked at it and it didn't register that it was green. So I had it right and I screwed up there too. Regardless, from 1971, Sleuth, if you like logic games, go check that out. Now, another game we got to play, card games, and I love my card games, absolutely. We got to play multiple times was Zany Penguins. That was a good game. I enjoyed that game. Guys, this one's going to be one of those games that everybody's going to be talking it up. It's an area control game about having penguins in your hands and penguins on the board. I don't want to go into a lot of details about it, but it is a fun, good game, any level player, age. It was just 
play pass cards. It's got my favorite mechanic, card drafting in it. You're playing cards down. And if you have the most control in, in the locations, then the cards in your hand will score. And whoever scores the most points at the end is the winner. That was a fun, fun game. That's the twist, is that to get control, you have to be showing a certain number of that type of card on the table, but that's not where you score the points from. It's actually from your hand. So there's this whole decision of, well, should I put the card down and try to get control or try to hold this high number card and hope I can get control and score points from it that way? Really great game. And it wasn't all just games. We got to eat with Chaz and, of course, Jamie and this Dice Tower crew. That was a great time. Eating is a big part of this. And to the point where I felt completely and totally bloated and so happy to be home eating salads again. (laughs) We ate a lot of good food with a lot of great people. And we also had a chance. This was really cool, too. We got to hang out with Blue Peg, Pink Peg for a while. We uh, went out to eat with uh, Patrick and Rob. And we went to a southern restaurant. I had been craving tea and somebody told me, well, Bob, well, there's a Southern restaurant right across the street from the convention center that serves sweet tea. We went over there, had some fried chicken and some tea. It was really good food. We sat there and chatted with Patrick and Rob. And I think that's the first time you had met them, right? That's exactly right. That was the first time I got to meet Rob, Patrick, Christina. It was great. I was loving it. Yeah, they, they, are, they are such a hoot. And we sat there and we talked about some ideas that maybe we could have in the future. Maybe we could do something together and, and we'll see where it goes. But it was just great having a uh, lunch with them. Th- those are great guys. Those, those are guys I don't get to hang out with a lot. But when I get the chance to, it's a lot of fun. And that's the first time Christina has come to a convention. And so in their next episode, I can't wait to hear what she thought. Because leading up to it, Rob was texting me, how can I make sure that Christina has a really good time at this convention? This is her first time going. He was wanting to make sure that it left her a good impression, but she seemed to be having a really good time. Could have just left with me and she and I could have both been over there with angst and Chaz, all three of us. That would have been a happy party. <laughs> I, I don't think she was dealing with angst unless Bonacore was around. Yeah, I understand that. So it's a great time. I mean, we got to see tons and tons of people. James, Jose. Um, oh, good gosh. The names were coming and going. These were two guys I met up at the meetup and thank you so much for talking to me and, and we had a great time. Yeah, and one one of the new people we got to meet, too, was actually a brand new publisher. Uh, we mentioned Arkwright before. This is the first time that they published a game, and this is Capstone Games, and I got to talk to Clay for a bit. I am here with Clay Ross from Capstone Games, and Clay, this is your first Origins, I believe, correct? That is correct, yes. First Origins, first convention. So. Wow, really? First ever big game convention? Yeah, absolutely. We'll be at Gen Con later this year, but this is Origins is the first one. So we're very excited about it. Now, we must be totally truthful with the audience. This is the day after the Secret Cabal meetup. It was a good time. Met a lot of good people, um, networked a lot, and uh, yeah, we had a great time. And Yeah, that, that, that's what I heard. So anyway, so now you're down here trying to demo the very deep and intricate game Arkwright. Absolutely, yeah. So we are running demos all day, and uh, it's getting a lot of buzz. It's, I think it's in the top 10 on Origins hot list right now on, on BGG's website. So people love it. It's every, Everybody that stops by just falls in love with it. It's, I, I couldn't be happier, honestly. It's been fantastic. And what's kind of like a 20,000-foot overview of what this game's about? Yeah, so it's basically it takes place during the Industrial Revolution in England, and everybody can open up to four different types of factories. There are various commodities from bread, cutlery, uh, clothes, and lamps. And it's a market game, so you're competing to sell goods to the people in England. So you want to make sure the quality of your goods is a lot better than your competitors, and your price can be higher. There's a whole market demand element to it, and 
the end of the day, you're trying to make your, your share value go up. And the higher it is, the more probability that you'll win because you have to buy your shares back from the bank. And you'll take your share value, whatever your share value is, and multiply it by the number of shares that you have, and that will determine who the winner is. So. Well, and it's one of those things that if you look at it on the table, it looks very intimidating. It's like there's a lot of, lot of obviously, a lot of cubes and tokens and little pawn-looking uh, things. However, what I love about this game is there's just not one way to play. There's multiple variants for how in-depth you want to get into the game. So could you speak on that just a little bit? Yeah, so we have, um, I, I want to touch on before I get to the different uh, variants, the artist, Harold Lees, he does a lot of games like Puerto Rico, Castles of Burgundy, the artwork in those games. He is phenomenal at making it simple. The way he designed this game, you can look at the board, after you know how to play it, you can look at the board and understand who's in the lead in different in the different markets, and, and really the, game, the whole game state is easily captured with your eyes. It's simplicity at its best, and he does a phenomenal job. Going off of that, we have four different modules in this game. The original, this is a second edition release, so the original we had Spinning Jenny, and it's, it's pretty vanilla, but it's, a two, it's a 30, 30 minutes per player. And then Waterframe is the full version of the game, and it's about an hour per player. And it adds a lot of elements to it. So we added um, some of those elements from Waterframe and called it Spinning Mule. So people can get that bigger decision tree. The, the depth of your decisions is, is a lot bigger than Spinning Jenny. And it still plays in that 30 minutes per player time frame. Then for people that have played Waterframe a lot, we have a new version called Self Actor. And it adds more development tiles. That's pretty much the different variants in a nutshell. And I have gotten to, we're going to be talking about this game uh, later on in our show. And I'm going to sit down and just play the spinning Jenny to try to get my head wrapped around it. But once I kind of got through the rules and through one round, it is pretty straightforward. And I 100% agree that the way the board is laid out, it captures the state of the game at any time. And once you understand the iconography and how it works, it really kind of flows. So if anybody sees pictures of this game, please don't be intimidated by it. Oh, it looks so intimidating. And then they we do demos, and there's six different actions, and you're doing one of those on your turn, and your action will take a minute max to do and then your turn's over and then it's somebody else's turn and then when everybody takes one action a factory will operate and then you go you, you just go through you got to step through it but it's super streamlined once you play it so and like you said with the 30 minutes per player sit down with three players you're done in an hour and a half that's just a regular board game nowadays yeah exactly that's that's exactly like that and then you get the people that are wanting a little bit more out of it and they can step it up to waterframe and throw everything at it and it's, it's just a fantastic time, man. So like I said, we'll be talking about this game in the future. I am, I at first, when I first saw it, I was intimidated by it. Yeah. But once you sit down with it, it, it's really straightforward. So now it is out at the show. It is, it is in retailers. Can we get it now at stores? Showing it at the show. It's going to be available on Monday, June 20th in retailers across the United States and uh, through basically in Canada as well. So yeah, it'll be available. What's next for Capstone Games? What's next? Uh, we are actually doing uh, the Cole series. Uh, we've got Has Connect. It was released by Quinted Games um, earlier this year, and this is actually going to—it's a trilogy of games centered around the historic coal, the history of coal in Germany, and it's a very historical time frame of games. And Haspel Connect is going to be the—I don't want to say this in, the, in a bad way—it's it's like the lightest of the of the three, but it's a good medium weight game, um, similar to Russian Russian Railroads and Marco Polo. And then the next two games, the complexity is going to gradually increase. And Colon Colony, some people are going to be familiar with that, is the granddaddy. It's an Arkwright-ish, heavy-level game. 
and that'll be the third in the trilogy. So this will so Haspel Connect will be available in September, and we'll be doing pre-orders in August for that. Fantastic. And if you want to find out more about this game and look for this pre-order for these upcoming games and just get in touch with you any way they want, how can they find you? So we're on all the social media, uh, Facebook and Twitter under Capstone Games. Uh, Capstone-Games.com is our website. And, uh, yeah, not too hard to find us. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Clay. And why don't you go get yourself some aspirin and some water? (laughs) I'm all good there, Marty. Appreciate it, man. And, of course, we got to see our good buddy, Greg Spence, who's been supporting us. And Tiffany. And, oh, I'm sorry. Got to meet Tiffany. My first time meeting Tiffany. Greg was there. So we got to see our, our buddies at the Broken Token and their great booth. And we got to see, in all their wonders, that Collector's Masters series box sets, the big Firefly thing that is absolutely Gorgeous. Oh my gosh. That was and the and the Lords of Waterdeep one. And the Lords of Waterdeep. But the one that just got my attention is his new one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say it. Go, girlfriend. Pandemic biohazard containment unit where they can fit all your pandemic wonderment into one awesome box. That is so on the order form. Oh, big time, because the size of that, I thought that thing was going to be huge, but it's not. It's not. And he got every single expansion in there. It looks fantastic. When he said that, uh, Tony's tongue just fell out of his mouth. Was like, oh, I have that. I know. I'm taking pictures to show Donna when I get home. Like, here's what we're going to replace it. And she's going to look at me. Why? I'm like, well, because... Don't worry about this. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm getting it. So, yeah, I knew that would be right up your alley. It looked great. And he showed us an early version of a new Splendor Insert 2, which is a whole box that contains everything. It looks really cool, too. And he's already got it planned for any potential expansions that come out. Great stuff he's got there. And I appreciate him taking the time to show us all that and to you know just talk about how things continue to improve for the business and, and all his new ideas. And then on his back table, he had a ton of games that he was sitting there taking back to the shop to work on designs for those. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And he says he's really in crunch time because he's going to Essen this year. And between that and Gen Con, he has said he has really got to ramp up production because they moved through a lot of stock. Because I asked what stuff was going to be coming out new. And he said, I really can't think of anything new right now. I have got to make sure I'm stocked for Gen Con and Essen. And at Gen Con, he's going to have a huge booth. It's going to be twice the size of what it was last year at Gen Con. So it's going to be easy to find those guys. So you need to go check them out. And again, you can always follow and see what's going on with them at thebrokentoken.com. After all that, Sunday is upon us and we're fixing to head out. It's a great time. Marty and I are spent. We're ready to drive eight hours home, right? Yes. Yes. Another long drive coming home, but that's okay. It's, you know, the excitement of getting there and now we're having to leave, but just like everybody, you're like, oh, I hate to leave. But I'm ready to get home. Yeah, I totally get that. So we're walking around the floor one last time, kind of checking everything out and and seeing if they're good with some good deals. And uh, every few places have good deals. Like Ultra Pro knocked $5 off some of their stuff. I think there were some special sales over at Cool Stuff Inc. But we happened to walk by uh, one booth, and it was actually somebody I actually talked to last year at Origins. This was Chad Deshaun from uh, Board Game Tables, and he had his booth set up there showing his tables again. But what's so exciting is, Tony, he's come out with like an entry-level table that he now has on Kickstarter called the Duchess. Okay, we get home, 
and you make a comment about my table inside and how I've made the comment that I should break the glass so I could get one of these tables. Correct. And then Donna quickly chimes in, uh, instead of the break the glass, why don't we donate it or sell it? Well, she had a good point. Well, she did have a good point. So you leave the house and everything's going well. And, and you know what she does? What? She goes, let me see this table. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So my little heart goes flutter, 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 flutter. I'm like, oh man, really? So she's looking at this. She's looking at this duchess. She's like, okay, so let me understand this. And so we start investigating his site. And she's like, $4.99 for that table from the Kickstarter. Plus you got to add a top. Plus you got to add the um, cup holder. So it's $7.99. The, the top is, by the way, the top is one solid piece. It's it's incredible. It is. And it's and it's not just something that sits on top. There's actually a lip. Yeah, it goes, yeah, over, it goes the over top. Yeah. And we're talking about it. And she's like, yeah, well, we can talk a little bit more about it. Nice. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, well, well, let's think about it. And now she, her holdup is she's now looking for chairs to see mm, if she, gets, yep. she can find chairs. So I'm like, all right. It's a three by five table. We're talking about it. So Marty, it's a possibility. Uh oh, she's she's thinking about it. Cool, Tony. We got to see the table. It it is a really nice table. Just the the basic table without the top is four ninety nine. It has the insert. The play surface is three by five. You had the felt inlay, and and people may be wondering what is the big deal about having the inset on a game table. It makes a huge difference. Things don't don't fall off. You've got that nice felt on the bottom from being able to pick up cards. It just plays better. But then you throw the top on it. It's just like a regular dining table. And I was asking, well, how are you able to make one for only $4.99? The big thing is he doesn't have somebody come out there and assemble it for you. Geek Chic has people going around and assemble the tables. You have to assemble it yourself. And Tony, I think we could assemble that table ourselves. Oh, I know we could have uh, and done. It. I mean, it's real easy. Some legs, throw it together. Life is good. I mean, I got the, I got equipment. I got tools. I can do this. So thank you for bringing this up at the house. And now I'm, I'm looking into this and my hopes are up here. We'll see what happens. I may be reporting back later, but I know, I know I have to make a decision by July 12th, right? You have to make a decision by July 13th. You have one extra day. Okay. So it's the 13th. Because he did say that after this, he will have to raise the price on these tables. So I'm walking out of origins only spending $15. Thanks to you. Thanks to you, I might be having to spend eight hundred dollars. <laughs> but I, but I saved you money from you not getting other stuff at Origins, so you could get the. You want this table? I know I do, but arr, can you imagine me out with my buyer's remorse if I do this? No, I can't. Uh, but if you're going to do it, uh, go ahead and get the cup holders. Yeah, I will say this at Origins, one of the badges that I saw, the little thing. Our squirrel badges were a hit. Good job, buddy. Big time hit. Thank you so much for everybody that was wearing those. They were all over the place. Those were awesome. So Marty will have those at Gen Con. But another one I saw everybody have and everybody who had it, I'd look at them and say, did you enjoy playing that? Potion Explosion. I don't care what you say. I wanted to play it again. I could never sit down at the demo table because they were constantly full. Yeah, well, I don't know why you say I don't care what you say. I love the game. Well, that's just an expression, dude. Oh, well, I thought you was like going to get on my case thinking I didn't like the game or something. Oh, no, that's uh, no. But I wanted to play it again and I couldn't. I couldn't sit there and play it. Aaron, Aaron tried to hold a spot for me and I couldn't do it. Well, it's one of those things that everybody says the same thing. It's it just catches your eye. It's like, 
what is that? That looks kind of interesting. And then you sit down and there's actually a really a good game behind there. It's not just a gimmick. Can't wait for that to come out. I know we talked about it in our CMON episode, but once again, Potion Explosion was a big hit at Origins also. It was amazing. It was up there with adrenaline. Oh boy. I, I don't know. That's pretty high for me. I know. Well, both of them are. So there you go. There's a look at our trip to Origins. Thank you so much for everybody that came up and talked to us. We loved hanging out with each and every one of you and, and talking with you. It was so great great reconnecting with our friends making new friends that's what the show is all about i mean i know there's a lot of other games that we played that we didn't talk about but it was more important who i was playing with and that's that's what this hobby is all about i agree with you and when you see marty at gen con if he's playing a game go up and interrupt him he's going to say hello people will tell me afterwards they say well i didn't want to interrupt you in a game that's part of this this is part of the fun i appreciate it i i anytime anybody said hello to me i got excited and matter of fact you know, I even was interrupting people. It was great fun. Now, who are you interrupting? Oh, I went over there and messed with some other. I'm not going to name drop. I was just all over the place. I did get my my Reaper miniatures, though. I'm, I'm excited. I get to paint my paint and take Reaper miniatures. I didn't want to paint it there because we were leaving, but I made sure I got my Reaper miniature. It was like one of those things we got to play a lot of games that are coming out. The most exciting ones are the ones that we played as prototype. But as you've heard with a lot of other segments here, a lot of games came out of this show. Origins is getting big. They're now starting to use this as a launch platform. Like, for example, one of the biggest games there was Dead of Winter. The Long Night. They did really well, sold out, but we knew they would. And so I'm, I'm glad to see the Origins is becoming a place besides Gen Con to launch great games. So if you've never been to Origins, I definitely would look into going. Hotel rooms are harder to get. A lot of the rooms will be available starting September 1st this year. So keep an eye out for that in case you want a room. The great thing about some of these rooms are you can reserve it, even though if you don't go and just cancel later. But Tony, you know, we did get some review copies of games that we need to get to the table. So you and I probably need to get out of here, start reading some rules and getting these games to the table so we can cover them in future episodes. I agree with you, man. The list is long. So we, and people want to know, they, they want to know what we think of these games. Well, maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't know what they do or not, but we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Th- there's my next poll. Do you really care what we say about reviews? <laughs> In the BGG game. <laughs> With an obtuse thing like you play games? Yeah, no, it'll be like, do y'all do reviews? We, we thought you just talked about cooking and, and stuff like that. But anyway. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go, there's one other thing. Scott King is going to release another gaming calendar in 2017. And Tony, he sent us a sample and it is gorgeous. Once again, fantastic pictures of some board games. And you have two options in Kickstarter. As always, you can take the standard calendar where he selects 12 images and has dates already preset in there, such as conventions and everything. Or you can do custom calendars where you can select what image, what month you want that image to appear. Plus he gives you the option of adding additional dates to the calendar. So I did want to say that Scott King does a fantastic job. His calendar is a staple on my wall year after year should be on Kickstarter soon. Keep an eye out for it. So there, I know we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. So guys do me a favor, keep rolling dice and taking names. Thanks for listening to our post-origin show. We love feedback, and you can leave it at our guild at BoardGameGeek on Facebook, or you can send us email at RollDiceTakeNames at gmail.com. In addition, we love iTunes reviews, so please leave us one of those too. Be looking at those pre-orders. I know you've got code names with the crap. Three, two, one. (laughs) With the pictures. With the pictures. Three. Two, one. <laughs> See, I'm giving you the outro right now. Three, two, one. <laughs>
Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Fun again, games. Three, two, one. Would you stop laughing? You're killing me. Fun again, games is your place to go for any of the games that you heard Marty and I talk about that we got to experience at Origins. Be sure to check out the newest games from Passport Games, Stronghold Games, Portal Games. They're sure to be in stock soon at Fun Again Games. Also, get those pre-orders in for Gen Con. Before long, it will be cry havoc time, and you sure enough want to get a pre-order in and use their discounts at funagain.com. Mm-hmm.